It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here's Donald. Carry it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. A fourth and ten. And here they come. Make this pass. It's intercepted by Mosley. Moving on down the top. Bell breaks a tackle. Looking downfield, fires this one, and intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the Vivid Seats studios. And by the way, if you download the Vivid Seats mobile app, you can get up to 100 bucks on your first ticket purchase if you use the promo code OVERTIME. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined for the Game Day Morning Mailbag, a brand new feature that we're doing here on Play Like a Jet by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And, of course, above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbly. Chris, we are just hours from kickoff. Can you feel the excitement in the air? Oh, yeah, I can feel it brewing. And Chris, we are, of course, talking just hours before you will be in the press box at MetLife Stadium where you will really feel the anticipation and the excitement. But before the game, I thought it would be fun to answer some questions as we get ready for the season opener between the Jets and Bills. First one comes in from Sean Stalker. He says, Scott and a very big deal, Chris Nimbley, how big of a role do you think Quinn and Williams will play in the game, considering how much depth this team has at the position. Also, who do you see having a bigger impact for their team in this matchup, Quinn and Williams or Ed Oliver? So first part of this, it really depends on how Greg Williams chooses to use Quinn and Williams. He may filter him in and out. He may do different mismatches. We talked about this on the pregame report yesterday. Chris specifically spoke about all the different ways that Greg Williams could mix and match to try and confuse Josh Allen and mess him up. I think Quinnen Williams has the potential to have a really good day if Greg Williams plays him a lot because we've talked about this before. These quarterbacks, the new breed, they're all really good with RPOs. Obviously, Allen is somebody that likes to run, so the RPOs are right in his wheelhouse. And Quinnen Williams has the size, the speed, the agility, and the instincts to be able to be a huge asset in that regard. So I think if he's used a lot by Greg Williams, he can have a pretty big impact in this game. As far as who's going to be more impactful between Quinnen Williams and Ed Oliver, it's another tough one because, again, a lot of it depends on the opposing offensive lines and how the defensive coordinators choose to deploy these guys. I'm going to take the easy way out of this, and I'm going to say that I think it's going to be about even, but it could go either way. Yeah, it could go either way, and about even sounds right, but I'm going to go ahead and take Ed Oliver here. I think it's a bad matchup for the Jets. The rest of that defensive line, too, just uh, that offensive line for the Jets, and we talked about this on the the preview uh, pod, that interior of the line has not taken a snap together in a preseason game, so they've only had a couple weeks' worth of practice. Uh, we got Ryan Khalil coming out of retirement, Kalichu Semele, a new guy. Winter's coming back from his injury. I just think that offensive line's a huge question mark, and I I do love me some Matt Oliver, so I'm going to give him a slight edge. Also, uh, Quinnen Williams, technically, he isn't going to be a, the starter here. They are going to end up – I can I'm, I picture them doing a lot of 4-3 as well, so you can see them – him up there with Leonard, Steve McClendon, and Henry Anderson. But uh, I do think Quinnen will get a, a whole lot of snaps. It's not like you're going to be sitting there wondering where he is or wondering why he's not getting a lot of playing time. But again, I'll we'll probably get a couple more snaps, and I just can see him being a little bit more disruptive. But honestly, I think they're both going to have their moments in the game where everybody, everybody watching, both sides of fans – are going to be like, wow, okay, I see what the deal with that guy is. Next question comes in from Jesse Parrots. He says, 
While the Jets are still undefeated, here's a question. Imagine everything breaks right for the Jets and they win 11 or 12 games. Can Joe Douglas win executive of the year? Or would that go to Mike McCagnin? This is really interesting. Obviously, Jesse is messing around, but I still find the premise interesting here because what if you have a situation like this where a general manager gets fired after doing all the heavy lifting and then the team way outpaces expectations to the point where whoever the guy that's the executive is that made the decisions would be well in line for executive of the year. Can you give it to the guy that is actually still the general manager or would it go to the guy that made all the moves that would have led the team to outpacing the expectations. Never really thought about it, but maybe it would be like co-executive of the year for McCagnin and Joe Douglas if some insane thing like that happened. I don't know how this would go. Uh, all I know is I am now rooting for this to happen with <laughs> my being because I want Mike McCagnin to have won executive of the year in his first year as a GM and after getting fired as a GM. I'm pretty sure that would be the first and only time in NFL history, and we need this to happen now. I want it to happen for two reasons. A, I want the Jets to win 11 to 12 games, obviously. And B, because I love this type of strange, chaotic scenario where I'm sure nobody's ever thought of what you would do in a situation like this. My suspicion is that they would just find a way to sidestep it and give it to somebody else who did a good job. I don't know who that would be in this scenario, but I feel like that is what they would do because they just wouldn't want to deal with what they would have to go through to try and figure out who to give this award to or to split it or however that would work. Next question comes in from Gary the NYer. He says, who will end up with the most rushing yards on the day? for each respective team. So, Chris, there's a phrase called Occam's Razor, and what that means is sometimes, and actually quite often, the simplest explanation is the right explanation. And so in this case, I'm going to say it's Occam's Razor. The two leading rushers are going to be the two teams' respective top running backs. So for the Jets, that's Le'Veon Bell, and for the Bills, that's obviously Josh Allen. I felt that one coming. Uh, I, yeah, I, but here's the thing, though. I, I don't disagree. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I could feel the joke coming, but it, it, it's probably correct. I will say I, I think that Devin Singletary is going to have more yards than Frank Gore. Um, I think that's going to be a thing that plays out uh, throughout the season. Uh, but it's it's got you got to think it's going to be Le'Veon Bell. And uh, again, against – this defensive uh, front for the Jets and with the Bills offensive line, you know, um, uh, on paper improved from last year, but they were absolutely horrid last year. I don't think that their running game is going to be, you know, blowing the doors off anybody. I think it's Josh Allen that's going to be dangerous, and that's what you have to watch out for. Uh, if, if, if for the Jets it's anybody but Le'Veon Bell, then that that's gonna you know be a little bit of alarming. Uh, I do expect Ty Montgomery is gonna get more touches throughout the season than a lot of people realize. I think that Adam Gase is going to uh, you know there's gonna be some games where Le'Veon Bell gets hot and he rides the hot hand and gives him 30 touches. He'll have some of those games, but I think there's gonna be a lot of games where he tries to uh, <clears throat> you know take a little easy, keep him fresh uh, for later in the season. And there was a story earlier in the week that uh, Adam Gase said that Le'Veon Bell said, you know, don't hold me back. I'm ready to go full go. But that doesn't mean that they're going to want to send him out and give him 30, 40 touches. Uh, So I could see them, uh, you know, scaling it back a little bit, but not to the point where I could possibly imagine picking anybody else but Le'Veon Bell to lead the team in rushing. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. 
Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Next question comes in from the Jet Ranger. He says, what are you more scared of, the Bills secondary killing the Jets or the Jets secondary killing the Jets? That's a good question. I like how he worded yes. that, too. And I would say that you could make a case for either one. The Bills secondary is one of the strengths of the team. As Chris brought up yesterday in our pregame report, Tredavious White is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. And overall, that is a really, really strong secondary. On the other hand, the Jets secondary isn't as terrible as some people say from the perspective of if May and Adams are healthy, which they will be at least heading into this game, the safeties are good. It's just the other part of the secondary, which is terrible, of course, the cornerbacks, which is a position that in this case and many other cases later in the season could cost the Jets in a huge way. So to answer this question, I will say that as good as the Bills secondary is, the Jets secondary is much more likely to kill the Jets because if Josh Allen is able to get enough time to throw the ball, he may be inaccurate on a bunch of his passes, but on the ones that he is accurate, he'll probably complete them because the Jets corners are not going to be able to stay with John Brown. And despite the fact that Brian Poole has played well, I'm not sure how well he's going to handle Cole Beasley. Overall, I think that this is a team that is going to have a lot of problems if the defensive line can't do enough to get in Allen's face and if the linebackers can't contain Allen from being able to have the type of time he needs to throw slash the time he needs to set up his runs, which let's be honest is really what he does best. So I think both units could hurt the Jets, but the Jets' own secondary will hurt them worse than the Bills' secondary will. Obviously, they're both scary uh, uh, propositions there, but I'm going to disagree with you, and I'm going to say that the Bills' secondary is the more oppressing problem, and it's for a simple reason of I just don't know how uh, much Josh Allen will be able to exploit the Jets' secondary. I think that it's, you know, this Jet Sec, the cornerbacks are going to get beat. I just don't know how much I trust Josh Allen to complete the passes and and finish off uh, beating them there. So I I still think the biggest concern uh, facing the Jets defense is stopping Josh Allen from running, uh, where I can definitely see. Sam Darnold uh, being rushed a little bit, hurried, maybe trying to do too much gunslinger and get picked off or make a couple plays here and there by that secondary. So I, I think that's going to – I'll have to give the edge to the Bills secondary there. All of that may be true, Chris, but I will say this. I expect John Brown to be able to break open a bunch against this secondary. All it's going to take is Allen connecting with him once or twice on some deep bombs – for the Jets secondary to be the bigger culprit than the Bills secondary. Not saying it's definitely going to happen, but it's certainly a decent possibility, which is why I'm saying the Jets secondary very well could hurt them worse than the Bills secondary could. Next question comes in from Gus Toon. He says, the Jets didn't get the edge rusher that they needed, but as they seem to be graduating towards the 43, the need maybe isn't as desperate as we thought because the Jets have such an excellent front four. Plus, Jenkins, Mosley, and Luvu, who will be starting for Copeland, should be a handful for most teams the Jets face. Do you agree? So first of all, it's not going to be Luvu that's starting for Copeland. It's going to be Harvey Lange, at least for now. And second of all, no, I don't agree. Mosley's awesome, but he's not really a QB killer. 
And the other two guys don't really do that much for me as far as going after the passer. I think Jenkins has turned into a solid player, but he's by no means a guy that strikes fear into the hearts of quarterbacks and offensive coordinators. I don't know that edge rusher is as dire a need as some people say, if only because, as you pointed out, Gus, the interior pass rush should be one of the better ones in the league. They definitely need an edge rusher, but when you can sustain pressure from the interior, the edge isn't as important as it is in other cases. So I sort of agree with you on that, but I also don't agree that the Jets will be covered by just having the guys that they already have. They're going to have to make some upgrades. For now, they'll have to make do with what they've got. The good news is that Greg Williams seems to like to generate the pressure that he gets predominantly from the line, whether that's from interior rushers or, as we saw, somebody like Miles Garrett frequently lining up in the three-point stance, even though he was on the outside. So I think that Williams will find ways to get creative, and I definitely think that the fact that the Jets have such great interior presence will help mitigate the fact that they have no edge rusher. This is not to say they don't need one. But I do agree with you, Gus, that if they can sustain strong interior pressure, it won't be as bad of a need as, say, cornerback is right now for this team. Yeah, Greg Williams talked about that uh, this week. He, you know, he basically was saying he doesn't agree with the idea that uh, they're going to struggle to rush the passer because he's got all these plans and schemes drawn up to be able to create pressure all over the place. The problem with that is. If you're doing that, then you're leaving another part of the defense vulnerable. Uh, you, we always hear about this. You want to be able to generate pressure with your with a four man rush. Uh, you you want somebody as good as the inside pressure is. You still want somebody coming off the edge. So yes, it's it's not as big of a deal because they can do stuff in other ways. But doing you know if they're blitzing Jamal. Or if they are, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see C.J. Mosley blitz a, you know, once or twice a game. <clears throat> but if you're doing stuff like that or doing, sending cornerback blitzes, I definitely expect to see uh, Brian Poole being blitzed. You, you can do that, and it can work, and it can generate pressure, but it leaves another part of your defense vulnerable. Uh, again, we're back to the Josh Allen thing. Will Josh Allen be the one that can – go ahead and diagnose that and then take advantage of it. Maybe not. So maybe it won't matter as much for this game, but you never want to just say, you know, okay, well, we don't have the edge rusher. It's not needed because of these, these other areas where we can do it because that those other areas will leave you vulnerable uh, to getting beaten other ways when they have to do things that are a little bit out of their, uh, you know, normal position and normal role. Next question comes in from Peter Dillard. He says, Scott, in the very big deal, Chris Nimbley, how do you think these corners will play Sunday if Greg Williams blitzes like he did in the third preseason game? I expect them to be on an island a lot. Gentlemen, one more question. Do you think the Jets have acquired enough depth to overcome the yearly injuries to Quincy Inunua, Marcus May, Brian Winters, and Brandon Shell? So let's start with that part of it first. I actually do like most of the depth that they've acquired on the offensive line, if nothing else, they now have guys that can step in and you don't have to hold your breath and pray on every single play. Alex Lewis, Tom Compton, even Chumadogo, who's raw but showed flashes during the preseason, and Jonathan Harrison, who we were worried about as a starting center, but as depth at center and guard, could be a real nice piece. So I like the depth that the Jets have set up on that offensive line, even if the starters themselves aren't that great. As far as safety, I do like Matthias fairly. I think that that'll be a nice depth piece. A little bit better than in previous years, but they still do need some more help at safety. And as far as Quincy Newman goes, they don't have a ton of depth at wide receiver. I do suspect that Ty Montgomery is going to be used at wide receiver in a pinch, and he may actually be used there every now and again, just lined up even when Le'Veon Bell is in the game. So I guess that would count as depth. I don't think that they're exactly where they need to be with the depth at safety and the depth at wide receiver. They could certainly use some more help. They could always use more help in the offensive line, but I do think that the depth there is better, and I think that they have guys that are capable of stepping in if the main guys are injured, and there's a pretty good chance that that will happen at some point. 
point. The next part of the question was about the corners and how we expect them to do if left on an island. Well, I do think that there's a possibility that they'll be left on an island if Greg Williams sends exotic blitzes. If that happens, you better hope that Josh Allen is as widely inaccurate as he has been many times before because those corners on an island, especially against somebody like John Brown, ooh. Yeah, um, so I'll start with the the injuries um, thing first. I agree with you about the offensive line to an extent. I don't like it quite as much as you, but the depth is is improved. The, the problem is still with the starting uh, offensive line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As now with uh, safety, I, I'm good with the safeties at, as where they are. And I know he didn't mention a cornerback in that name, but in, in that list, but an injury to one of the top three cornerback, cornerbacks would be alarming. And then same with receiver because they, they have those top three receivers. I know everyone keeps going with this time Montgomery to, uh, to do some receiver. And I do expect him to be lined up there uh, in a pinch. And then also just on when Le'Veon's in the backfield at times. But remember time Montgomery was a receiver who was so good at being a receiver, they changed his position to running back. Um, he, he's not somebody that you're just like, yeah, all right, great. Now we got Ty Montgomery out at receiver. It's nice to be able to have that versatility, but he's not scaring defenses lined up as a receiver. So if there's a, an injury at the receiver position or the cornerback position, that's going to be a huge problem. Now, as far as the quarterbacks in this game, again, look at the other night when the Packers and Bears played. Allen Robinson, <clears throat> Allen Robinson was one of the best players on the field that uh, during that game, but he wasn't able to do that much damage because his quarterback couldn't get him the ball that much. And I expect these Bills receivers, even though there there's not a person in that group that's even close to Allen Robinson level of talent. I do expect the Bills receivers to to win a lot of routes. I just don't know that Josh Allen's the guy that's going to make the Jets secondary pay for that. So I, that is not as much of a concern for me this week. Going forward, as soon as next week against the Browns, then all of a sudden those alarm bells start ringing. It's a much bigger concern. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Next question comes in from AJ Tronzano. He says, how worried are you that Vedvik has never kicked at MetLife Stadium in this type of game? It scares me. Also, do you have any confidence in the top three corners? Not that they're great, but I think they can be okay. More worried when it's going to be four or five spread. Maybe Williams can play more zones to camouflage the deficiency. I'm sure Greg Williams is going to do a whole bunch of things to try and camouflage the deficiency. We'll start with Vedvik. Yeah, absolutely worried about Vedvik. He's never kicked in a regular season game. He wasn't even a place kicker in college. He struggled toward the end of the preseason with the Minnesota Vikings. And as you pointed out, he's never kicked at MetLife Stadium. On the bright side, the weather conditions are supposed to be pretty good. And on top of that, he did do very well with the Ravens in the preseason, 12 of 13, before that Minnesota trade. So I guess what I'm getting at is I'm very worried, but it's out of our hands at this point. We have to hope that Brant Boyer was right in wanting to bring him in here as the kicker. And as far as how much confidence I have in the top three corners, not a lot. I think Brian Poole's okay in the slot. He's going to struggle with Cole Beasley a little bit, but Cole Beasley is a really effective slot receiver. Beyond that, Tremaine Johnson's been banged up. I know he started to play better in camp, but we'll see how he does in regular season action, matched up against better receivers. Darrell Roberts, let's be honest, he is what he is. He should probably be a third or fourth cornerback, 
but because of the Jets' cornerback situation, he is going to end up being a starter on the outside, on the other side of Tremaine Johnson. I don't have much confidence in these guys at all, I think. If Tremaine Johnson can at least play average and Daryl Roberts can play close to average, then that's about all you can ask for in this game. And hopefully, as Tremaine Johnson continues to get healthier and healthier, I'm not saying he's going to be able to get back to the level that he was at with the Rams when he was at his most effective, but if he could at least be around average or slightly above average, then the Jets' secondary won't be anywhere near the weakness that we expected it to be. It's still going to be a weakness, but it won't be like all-time bad or among the league worst weakness if Tremaine Johnson can at least be a solid cover corner for the year. Will he be able to do that? I don't know how much confidence I have in that. Chris, this week, though, as you said, the big thing to hang your hat on and why you wouldn't be as worried as you might be in other weeks is because of the fact that Josh Allen, to this point, has not been a very accurate passer. So if you're going to be able to get away with bad cornerback play, this would be one of the weeks that you might be able to do it. Yeah, with Vidvik, I'm not concerned about his first time kicking in MetLife Stadium so much. This this the new stadium's not doesn't have quite the same wind issues that the the old Giant Stadium had. It's also you know early in September, so I'm not going to be super cold. Weather should be cooperating, so I'm not worried about him specifically with uh, kicking in MetLife. There was a story about how uh, Brent Boyer wanted to take him over to MetLife uh, during the week to get him acclimated to it, but they weren't able to. Because uh, U.S. soccer team playing game there, um, but I'm just concerned in general. And how 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 could you not be with the way his preseason has gone so far? Obviously, there's talent there that they like, uh, but if he struggled in the preseason, you can't feel too confident about the regular season. So the concern isn't specifically to MetLife Stadium for me; it's just in general. As for the cornerbacks, I actually this is gonna might sound crazy, and I could be proven crazy as early as Sunday, but I actually have most confidence in Daryl Roberts uh, based on how he's played uh, training camp and preseason. Um, I'm not saying that he's going to be a lockdown corner by any means, but he's looked like the best, most consistent uh, corner they have. Um, and I, he's he's played well in spurts before. Then we saw once he got like a lot more full time reps, he struggled. But I, he's the one I kind of feel most confident in. Trumaine Johnson's going to be hit or miss. He's going to do really well on a lot of plays, but I think he's just going to get burned a lot at times. Again, it's not something that I'd be super concerned about this week with the Bills and Josh Allen. But I just think that it's going to be a lot of hit or miss with Trumaine Johnson if he stays healthy. He's, he's going to make some plays, and he's going to, oh, I look at you all you guys calling him a bust because he made this one play, even though he gave up seven other big plays. So um, and Brian Poole, obviously, I, I think it, it's just going to be a lot of inconsistencies with this group. But I think I have the most faith in Daryl Roberts right now. Since I mentioned weather in the context of Corey Vidvek, Thought it might be nice to take a look at the weather forecast coming up for today, not just for the Jets game, but all the way around the league, because not only is it going to have implications for the matchup between the Jets and Bills at MetLife Stadium, but also for a lot of your fantasy matchups, because obviously weather can play a big part in who's going to have great performances throughout the day because if it's a faster guy and it's rainy he might not be as fast and not as effective you could have somebody who's a quarterback in really bad weather and so he may not be in the best position to throw for a lot of yards could be in the wind and then you've got a situation where the offense might struggle there's a lot of factors in play involving the weather that you want to know about and if you're playing fantasy football obviously you know there's only one place to do that and that's at FanDuel because they've got more ways to win cash prizes and once-in-a-lifetime experience during every single game, every single week than anybody else. And if you've never played FanDuel Fantasy Football before, I've got great news for you because new users get 20 bucks in site credit when they deposit 20 bucks. How does it work? Simple. You pick a brand new team every single week. It's more flexible. You don't have to worry so much about injuries and busts because if they have one bad week, it doesn't end your season. 
and you've got a chance to win millions of dollars in prizes. Sign up for FanDuel now. Get 20 bucks in total bonus. Just make sure your first deposit is 20 bucks or more to get you started, and you'll get an extra 5 bucks in site credit every week for four weeks. Go to FanDuel.com slash DFSFantasy or download the FanDuel app today. And like I said, it's important to know about the weather all around the league, but it's especially important to know about the weather at MetLife Stadium for the game between the Jets and the Bills, because in addition to the fantasy concerns, we talked about the field goal kicking, and it's already a question mark, so we want to know what the weather conditions are going to be like, so we know just how much of a question mark it's going to be. For that, we turn to my buddy, who is the sharpest weather mind that I know, and that, of course, is Ed Valley, the CEO of Empire Weather. Ed, why don't you go ahead and tell us what's going on with the weather today? Thanks, Scott. Meteorologist Ed Valley here. Not only am I a meteorologist, I am a fantasy football player, and I am an avid Jets fan, so I'm really excited to be able to contribute here. And we're going to go over the weather for the game, whether you're heading to the game, you have some fantasy football impacts with the Jets and the Bills. I'll also take you around the league to... Just give you a sense of what we're going to be looking at here for fantasy football weather heading through week one of the NFL season. So we'll start up in MetLife Stadium. Really no weather concerns. The three things that I look at for weather concerns, always obviously the temperature. If there's extreme heat, that can cause some issues. If uh, there's extreme cold, obviously that's an issue. I look at the conditions if we're seeing rain or snow, and then... We look at the wind and the wind direction and all that good stuff. So all three of these check out here at MetLife Stadium on Sunday. Beautiful conditions, mid-70s for temperatures. We'll have a northwest wind, so that goes from uh, the back of one end zone across the field to the other end zone, uh, north to south. And 5 to 15 miles an hour, not much really going on here. So I think we're in pretty good shape weather-wise in New Jersey, but... Around the league, there are some games we're at least watching for some sort of fantasy football impact. We have all of the Florida games are really on our radar. Um, Not only do we have an extreme heat risk, the heat and humidity in Florida this time of the year is always tough to deal with. Um, So that's something to keep an eye on. We also have a spotty thunderstorm threat. I think all three games in Florida this weekend, it's amazing how they decide to put all three games in week one in Florida when they know there's thunderstorms. But... The Niners at the Bucks. That's at 425. We have the Ravens playing at the Dolphins. And then we have the Chiefs at the Jaguars here as well. So all three of those games, I think, can be influenced by at least not only the heat and the humidity, but also a thunderstorm risk. So with respect to that, I think it's more about game flow versus a true impact on the game. I don't think during these storms they're going to have guys out there due to the lightning So it's not a situation where the performance on the field is directly impacted at first. But the game flow, you come back after an hour delay, things can shake up and things can, momentum can change. So that's certainly something to keep an eye on. And then the gameplay after the thunderstorms, we keep an eye on Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida there for the 49ers and O.J. Howard for the Bucks, And then in Miami... I would say Kenny Stills, but we know what happened there. Um, And Lamar Jackson I would certainly watch out for as well. And then up in Jacksonville, of course, Tyreek Hill um, and Pat Mahomes. So there's, there's some fantasy weather impact this week. But I think for the most part, compared to other weeks as we move down the road, I think we're in pretty good shape when it comes to weather and it comes to player performance. Again, I'm meteorologist Ed Valley. Really excited to be on board here for the... 2019 season back to you scott thanks so much ed looking forward to continuing to do these reports with you throughout the season if you have any doubt how sharp ed is when it comes to weather that first jets preseason game of the 2019 preseason ed was texting me an hour before it actually happened exactly when the thunderstorms were going to hit and exactly when they would pass over and when the action would resume. And he was right almost to the second. It was incredible. So you're hearing from somebody who really knows his stuff. And in future weeks, we're going to get interactive. So if you have any questions about the weather, anything specific that you want to know about from week to week, make sure that you tweet it myself and you tweet it, Ed. Ed is at at Ed Valley, V-A-L-L-E-E-W-X on Twitter. 
or you can get him at Empire WX on Twitter as well. So that's going to be a fun feature that we're going to keep doing throughout the season. And I think it's going to be very helpful for you in understanding what the Jets are up against each week and also helping you out with your fantasy matchups. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Next question comes in from Sun Moon Rise. Sun Moon Rise says, hello from Germany. Do you think the Jets will really stay put with what they have at corner and edge for the season? When will they react if things go as bad as I am expecting with their current personnel? Yeah, they're going to stick with what they got because they don't really have much of a choice. It's not like there are a bunch of really good edge rushers and corners just sitting out there for the Jets to get. They may play around with who gets more time. Harvey Lange and Frankie Louvu might battle for some time on the edge. Maybe Nate Hairston gets a little bit more at corner. But they've got who they've got. They're not going to be able to upgrade much from what they already have until next season. So to answer your question, they can panic all they want, but there's not really many moves that they can make. Yeah, listen, the... Um... They didn't keep the guys that they kept because they think that those guys are so great. They kept the guys that they kept because they looked around and they didn't see anything that was a clear, better option available to them. It's that simple. They know the areas of deficiencies, the deficiencies of this team. They know this. The fans know it. They're well aware, too. Um, they would have liked to be able to upgrade it a little better than they did, but they, they didn't think there was any opportunities to do it much more. And they're not going to get those at this point. It seems extremely unlikely. I mean, there's always the off chance you could swing some type of trade, but I, that's not something I can bank on right now. I expect to see a lot of shuffling at the bottom of the roster and practice squad transactions throughout the season. But it, there's going to be bottom of the roster guys, so they they basically have to roll with what they got right now. I I don't see at this point them making any big moves to change that. As much as they would like to, I just don't see what's available for them to do that with. Next question comes in from Sue, just Sue. She says, "Who do you think will be Darnold's favorite go-to guy on the majority of passing routes today?" It's a tough one because he's got some good targets. You could go off the beaten path a little bit and say Le'Veon Bell. You could say that he's going to go deep a bunch to Robbie Anderson. But here's what I'm thinking. Tredavious White is going to probably either lock down Robbie Anderson or come pretty close to it. I'm going to go with Jamison Crowder here. I just think that he has the best potential to get open in the slot. And we've seen what he can do when he catches the ball in space. You go and watch his film from Washington and even some of the stuff Chris saw during training camp. So if pressed, I would say that the number one target today, whether it's intentional or because he ends up being that safety valve, is Jamison Crowder. Yeah, Crowder, it, honestly, I think Crowder will probably lead this team in catches all year long. And every week you could ask this question, and Crowder will be a good answer as long as he's healthy. Um, he's got a comfort level with them. It's just such an easier pass uh, to complete. And uh, he, sh- he should be able to find him a lot. Uh, and I expect him to use him a lot uh, this, this week. Uh, I Just to not be boring and give the same answer, I'll go with Quincy Nunwell right now. And I might as well go with Quincy while he's healthy and play him. Um, he's going to be matched up against Levi Wallace, most likely, if uh, Tredavious White's on Robbie Anderson. I think Quincy can win that battle. <clears throat> um, Jamison Crowder can beat his his guy Teron Johnson as well. So those two guys that can do that. But I I think that uh, Quincy can beat Le- Levi Wallace. And um, like I said, I just want to give a different answer than you and be a little less boring. <laughs> but um, I, I I think you can see a lot of uh, catches from both of them. Um, and you know. Uh, a little bit of tight end worked in there. And then like you brought mentioned that you're going to see some passes to the running backs as well. 
So what what you got to hope for is a nice wheel route uh, to Le'Veon Bell and Ty Montgomery out there to really hurt that Bills defense. Final question, Chris. It comes in from Michael Christopher. He says, moving forward, do you think the Jets, and especially Joe Douglas, have a philosophy and what type of player they want to draft or bring in? Watching the Colts draft videos, they had specific heights and weights and speed for positions and intangibles. You think the Jets would put something like this in place and start targeting premium positions in first and second round, like corner or offensive line, no matter if they have a player ranked higher than somebody at those positions. So I think Joe Douglas is very much going to do a lot of what the Colts are doing. Joe Douglas learned at the feet of Ozzie Newsom, who's one of the better executives that this league has had in a long time. He knows exactly how to look for value, and he knows how to fill premium positions. Now, obviously, these are things that he helped do in a big way, both with the Ravens and with the Eagles. He's going to have to prove that he can do it when he has the final say here with the Jets. But if you look at the results that were produced in both Baltimore and Philadelphia and the moves that many people will tell you had his fingerprints on it, for instance, getting somebody like Jimmy Smith in the first round who turned into a really good cornerback, getting somebody like Marshall Yonda in the third round, going after Joe Flacco. Now we can debate whether or not Joe Flacco is a great quarterback, but he was a solid starter for a number of years and helped the Ravens win a Super Bowl. These are all premium positions I'm talking about. And I don't know that you need to necessarily bypass a guy who's an exceptional player to non-premium position, but the Jets obviously have to start doing a better job of filling those spots because, as we've seen, it's a lot easier to get good players at non-premium positions in free agency than it is to get premium positions filled. Premium positions, if you're able to get somebody to fill those and they're average or better, it's generally for a reason. They're coming off an injury or they're older, or they have some sort of off-the-field issues. So, yeah, there's no question that the Jets need to do a better job of filling those premium positions with premium draft picks, and I absolutely expect Joe Douglas to do that. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I think that the three key areas that the Jets need to focus in above all else in the offseason, and I think Douglas will do that both in free agency and the draft, is completely rebuilding the offensive line, getting themselves an upgraded edge rusher, and of course, fixing this horrendous cornerback situation. Yeah, I still think that Douglas will operate mostly under a, a best player available um, t- type of mode. Uh, with obviously, it'll be you know if if Jerry Judy's on board for them, and then they, he, they have him graded of you know twelve points higher than the best uh, offensive tackle. I think they're going to go there. If it's close mm-hmm. enough, then he'll go with the positions of need. He talked about this at his introductory press conference to us. He believes quarterback is most important, and then the big guys up front on both sides of the ball. We know they got uh, the defensive side, the defensive line mostly worked out except for an edge rusher, uh, but they don't need to put too much focus there. He knows that they need to focus on the offensive line. But if there's a player – just a, a Jerry Judy, Doug Judy. We can continue this. Um, if you want, if there's a player of that magnitude, I don't think he's going to pass them up to force uh, an offensive line pick. As far as the, you know, height, weight, uh, the measurements stuff. Pretty much every team has a, a guidelines on each position of what they think. Some, you know, some uh, teams. And some front offices like longer corners, and some like shorter corners. Some like uh, taller quarterbacks, and some are more willing to go low. It varies from team to team, and from executive to executive. So, <clears throat> I'm, I can almost with ninety eight percent certainty say that Joe Douglas has, um, you know, requirements, uh, or not requirements, but guidelines for each position where he would like a player's height and weight to fall between this and that. And uh, his to have this type of speed at a cornerback and this type of speed at a middle linebacker. Now, I obviously don't know what those guidelines are for Douglas and specific to him, but I can almost guarantee you that he has them for each position. Um, but again, I, I do think he's going to put a heavy focus 
on upgrading the offensive line, on upgrading cornerback and getting a pass rusher. But at the same time, I don't see him forcing a pick to one of those if it's going to be like that much of a difference maker that we're talking about. I keep bringing up Jerry Judy because he's somebody that pretty much anybody that watches any college football knows, yeah, that that's a different player right there. So I, there will be exceptions for players like that. But I, you know, if in the first round they go with Jerry Judy, then I think you can see him go, okay, second round, we're going to go take the best offensive lineman on board. I could see something along those lines going. It's not, he's not going to ignore the premium positions. Let's just put it that way. Whether he's willing to go best player available in the earlier rounds or in a specific round, I, I don't doubt that he'd do that, but he is, going to make it sure that he does address those premium positions. I think that what Joe Douglas is going to bring to the table that we haven't really seen from Mike McCagnan is an actual plan. He's going to go into these drafts knowing exactly what he wants to get out of them. I think it's going to be a combination of best player available and the premium positions. So as you said, Chris, if there's a guy like Jerry Judy, who's just an absolutely special talent at wide receiver, which is a position that the Jets need, and while it's not necessarily a right. quote-unquote premium position, it's certainly a very important one, then sure, he's going to pick him over the next best offensive lineman or corner or something like that. But I think if it's even close, he's going to go with the premium position, and I think that that'll be a welcome change because Mike McCagnin didn't seem to operate that way. He just seemed to have it as, this is what my board looks like, and so I'm going to stay true to my board. And I do, in a lot of ways, agree with that in terms of if you think that guy can make as much or a bigger impact, even if he doesn't necessarily play the premium position, you could obviously make that case for the drafting of Jamal Adams. But I think that it's something that certainly needs to be a part of the equation. There needs to be a more organized draft plan overall. And I think that Joe Douglas will certainly bring that to the table. Chris, we are now just hours away from kickoff as we record this. I cannot wait for this opening game of the Jets 2019 season. I say that now. If they lose, then we're going to have to play this audio back and say, yeah, maybe you could have waited. Maybe you were a little too excited. But for now, I'm pumped to have Jets football back. And I'm really excited to not only bring a killer postgame show to the table with Matt Sibelkowski from NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media within hours of the ending of the game, but I'm also excited to be able to read everything that you and Alan Schechter are going to have up over at JetsInsider.com because I know that you're going to have plenty of great material up there. What are you looking at publishing after the Jets and the Bills conclude later today at MetLife Stadium? Well, that's going to depend on exactly how this game turns out. <laughs> Obviously, we'll have uh, uh, you know just a regular recap article. We'll ha- put up a uh, quick hits article as soon as the game is over, and then just a regular game story um, talking about the game, how it unfolded. Uh, but then, you know, if Sam Darnold has a, a, an ex- ex- a, uh, especially impressive game then we will focus a lot on that. If he has a really bad game, we'll focus a lot on that. Uh, if Josh Allen goes off and runs for 200 and something yards, then we're going to be doing a lot of stories about that. So we'll have the, a quick hits up there, uh, a regular game story, and then we're going to really dive into uh, you know, how they won or how they lost, what the reason is for the, the winner or the loss. Uh, you know, obviously, if there's something obvious, we'll talk about that. If there's a little more subtle things, then we'll talk about those as well. But we'll really look into um, why the game turned out the way that it did. However, however it turns out, we will figure out uh, the reason behind it and uh, break down the diagnosis of it that way. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. And now let's talk a little gambling because what is a football Sunday without some gambling? And if you're going to gamble, you want some gambling advice from somebody that really knows what they're doing. And fortunately, I know somebody that fits the bill for that and somebody that's pretty close to me because he's my brother, professional poker player, 
professional sports better, somebody that is an expert when it comes to lines. He's going to give you his picks and tell you exactly why. He's even got some teasers. So he's going to give you a bunch of stuff that you can play with on Sunday, and hopefully it'll make you a bunch of money. My brother, Craig Mason. Hey, Craig, how's Vegas this time of year? Oh, what's going on, Scott? You know, hanging out in the 109-degree heat over here, (laughs) relaxing in the backyard. Let's see if we can turn up the heat for everybody listening to this podcast and try and win them some cash with your gambling tips. Now, I know personally, because I've seen it, you've won a ton of money doing this, and it's something that between your poker winnings and this, you've made a very nice living on for the past decade or so. And I want to talk about your poker a little bit later, too. By the way, if you want, go ahead and Google him, Craig Mason Poker, and you will see that he won over $1 million in the Caribbean Poker Stars Tournament last year. So he's the real deal in every aspect, so you want to pay attention when he's telling you who to bet and why. Craig, let's start with your single-game bets. Tell me who you like. All right, so I'm going to start this one off with a little bit of a surprise, but I'm actually, the first one that I like here is actually the Miami Dolphins at home. You know, there's, I know you're going to say, why the Dolphins? They're six-and-a-half-point dogs at home. Listen, I know... They don't exactly have much talent on the team, but I like Fitzpatrick here at home, first game. I just have a feeling here he's going to have a big game, and to tell you the truth, I would even consider betting him on the money line. I think they win the game outright, plus six and a half at home. Wouldn't be the craziest thing because, as we know from watching with the Jets, Fitzpatrick has a tendency to get hot, and in a lot of cases, he'll start off strong, fool you into thinking that he's better than he is, and then all of a sudden, the coach turns back into a pumpkin. So I don't think that pick is as crazy as some other people might. What else do you have besides Miami? All right, so the, I actually went all AFC East picks here. So my my second pick, again, my, this, this one might seem a little obvious. Hopefully there's no cops on the show. You know, I have a couple friends that happen to be bookmakers, and <laughs> I've known over the years, let's just say the Patriots tend to cover the spread. So I'm going to play it safe on this one and go Pats minus five and a half Sunday night football. I just think no brainer. They they always seem to cover the spreads and they kind of have Pittsburgh's numbers. So I don't see any reason why this will be any different. And with Antonio Brown there with the Patriots now, that might give them a little bit of a psychological edge as he sits on the sidelines staring at his old team across the way. What was the number on the Patriots covering the spread? It was something insane. I remember you telling it to me not long ago. Yeah, I think last year, uh, don't quote me on this exactly, but or maybe last year or two years ago, I believe they were 14-2 and two in the regular season against the spread. So I know they they've definitely tend to cover more spreads than they don't. So I think it's a good pick. So you've got the Patriots, you've got the Dolphins. The last game involving the AFC East is two AFC East teams, so it's got to be one or the other. I know you're a Jets fan. I know you also think the Bills are much improved this year. Games at MetLife Stadium. What do you think? All right, so call me a homer, but I I like the Jets in this one. I just think first game, Darnold's going to be pumped up. I see Le'Veon Bell having a big game here. I just think think Jets minus two and a half. I like them at home against Buffalo. I I see them splitting the season series, but I I like them to take this one at home. Two and a half makes sense to me, too, because that means all they have to do is win by a field goal and they get the victory for you. If it was a little bit higher, if it was three and a half, I might be a little bit nervous because then you're looking at something where if they win by a field goal, you still lose. But in this case, it really gives you that extra cushion, right? Exactly. So I just think, like I said, I see it being a close game. I'd be very surprised if it's a blowout. I don't expect it to be like the Detroit game last year when we all thought the Jets were going to win the Super Bowl after the first game. <laughs> Everybody was getting a little out of hand saying they're, they're the favorites in the AFC East and everything. But listen, I, I do think they'll play well at home, and I, I see them winning by a touchdown. All right, Craig, we know your single game picks. You did three of them, and you actually went with three AFC East teams. I know you also have a teaser that you like. What is it? All right, so this one, I got a two-team teaser, six and a half points. So I like... The Chargers at home, basically even against the Colts here. I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer. With no luck, I don't see the Chargers losing this game at home. I, I would be very surprised if all they have to do is win outright. So that's the first pick of the teaser. My second pick here is Eagles. They're laying 10. So with the six-and-a-half-point teaser, you're laying three-and-a-half. I just don't see – the Redskins just, to me, don't impress me much. I think the Eagles went to play – 
very well this game. I just I think they win this game very easily. Two touchdowns plus. Eagles are going to come out pumped up, no question about it. And like you said, the Chargers at home, even if the Colts exceed expectations after Andrew Luck bailing, I think that it's a safe bet to go with the Chargers here because they already have an excellent roster. And now with Andrew Luck gone, you figure it may take the Colts a couple of weeks to really get things together. And the Chargers are an excellent home team as well. So I think that's a solid pick. Craig, thanks so much for coming on and sharing your picks. I'm looking forward to doing this with you throughout the season. Before you go, I hear some rumors that there may be a business venture brewing. You've made over seven figures playing poker. I'm hearing that you might be willing to share a little bit of the knowledge that made you so successful. Oh, for sure. You know, for right now, this is something I'm brainstorming. And, you know, like I have a lot going on. As you know, my wife is seven months pregnant. So I'm just (laughs) focusing on that for now. But I'm definitely brainstorming and considering, you know, starting my own coaching site. I've I've learned from some great coaches myself. And I just think it would, to me, anyone that really wants to, take poker tournaments seriously i would truly recommend getting coaching i mean it it honestly took me to the next level and anyone that thinks it's you know a waste of time and a waste of money they're certainly wrong because if it wasn't for working with some of the best players in the world i would have never made millions playing poker so i definitely i would love to share some of the knowledge like you said and you know take people that either are beginners and get them a little more advanced or take people that world maybe like me and take them to that real next level so they could really have a chance to win and you know uh, the thing is with me right now because like i said my wife is pregnant i'm not going to be traveling as much so to me i i would really this would be something i would like to do with with others i really just been i've been playing a lot of online poker lately it's actually been been doing really well but you know i'm gonna have to take a little break from the traveling and playing in the major tournaments have to uh put my talents on the sideline until next world series of poker but for now yeah I, i'm gonna see what see what happens i mean you know i'll probably wait until after we have the baby but i will it's definitely something that i'm considering doing if people want to get a little bit of information on what your plans might be or at least show some interest in possibly getting involved in this venture and maybe taking you up on poker lessons down the line, is there a way they can reach you? Is there an email they can send something to? Can they link up with you on social media? For sure, yeah. You can uh, send me an email at uh, cmase, C-M-A-S-E-86 at AOL.com. Also, uh, Craig Mason on Facebook. And, you know, they can send you a message on Twitter or whatever they want. And, you know, you can help me connect with them as well. So definitely open to talking to people if people seem to be interested. Like I said, I don't have anything anything planned yet, but it's definitely a brainstorm and something that I really would like to do for the future. I promise you, if you have any interest in learning how to become a much better poker player and win money the way that my brother did, and I watched how this happened, he learned from all the best coaches, he put in a ton of effort, and he was able to make seven figures doing this. I'm not saying that it's guaranteed, but if he can do it, you certainly would have a chance to earn some really nice money playing poker, learning from him, because remember, he's passing down a lot of the knowledge that he had himself. So go ahead and connect with him, C-Mace, C-M-A-S-E, 86 at AOL.com. Connect with him on Facebook, Craig Mason. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcast, which includes an incredible lineup throughout the entire season. First thing Monday morning, you'll get the post-game report with Matt Slipakowski of NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media, recapping the game and going through all the post-game news and notes, including quotes from the locker room. Tuesday, a brand new episode of The Godfather, Brian Bassett and his boys, Chef Travis Milton and Josh Conrad, as they bring you There's Always Next Year. They finally returned after a long hiatus this past week. And as always, it was equal parts fun, informative, and hilarious. Of course, only Travis Milton would get himself a massive tattoo of the Golden Girls all over his body. But that's why we love him, because he does stuff like that. And if you're going to get a tattoo of a sitcom that was popular in the 80s and 90s, why not the Golden Girls? Wednesdays will go through midweek news and notes with Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News. Somewhat controversial because of his reporting style, but there's no denying that Manish 
is the best on the beat when it comes to breaking news, and he's always got interesting information every week, so he'll share that with us on Wednesdays as we go through the latest news and notes in the middle of the week. Thursdays, brand new episodes of Pauly Brzez's new show, Prepare for Takeoff. It's an opponent-focused show, so every week, Pauly is going to have on a guest who covers the opposing team and knows them in great detail so that Pauly can grill them about the strengths and the weaknesses, the key matchups, all the little nuggets of information that you want to know about the opposing team so that you're prepared for battle and know exactly what the Jets have in store for them that week. Week number one, Paulie had a great episode with my buddy Mike Lindsley, who is a longtime Central New York radio personality and has been covering Bills football for almost two decades. This week, he's going to have our old friend Jeff Lloyd, who at one point was a member of TOJ Digital, and then he jumped ship and went to go cover the Browns for Locked On Browns. He's doing a fantastic job over there. The show is growing leaps and bounds, and Jeff is now one of the foremost authorities on Cleveland Browns information out there. So it's going to be a lot of fun when Paulie and Jeff get together to take you inside the Cleveland Browns this Thursday as we get ready for that huge matchup coming up next Monday night at MetLife Stadium. Fridays we will have brand new episodes of X and O Quickets with Joe Blewett. We're going to start this coming Friday because we'll be able to review game number one against the Buffalo Bills. Each week, Joe Blewett is going to come on and we're going to do a bite-sized version of his three-hour video show that he does over on our YouTube channel, Turn on the Jets TV. This is perfect for if you want to get the cliff notes and then obviously you know exactly what to zero in on when you go ahead over to the YouTube channel and watch the full three-hour show and you can see the video and see Joe break it down in painstaking detail. But X and O Quick, it's one of our most popular shows last year. Glad it's returning this year. Looking forward to doing a ton of shows with Joe Blewett because I always love to pick his brain. He is a fountain of knowledge when it comes to film and we are going to have some fantastic shows throughout the season. Saturday, we'll have the pregame reports with all the latest news and notes heading into the game and the keys to the matchup with the very big deal, Chris Nimbley, and injury reports with Dr. Steven Stoller, 35-year orthopedic surgeon. He's been on the show previously to break down some injuries to key additions to the Jets, and now he's going to be on every single week during the season to break down the injury report and explain exactly what these injuries are going to mean for the players that are listed. He did a fantastic job handling that. This week on the show and future weeks are going to be just as great. And every Sunday, like the one you just heard, we're going to be doing game day morning mailbags with a very big deal. Chris Nimbley answering your questions. Plus, we're going to have weather reports involving the Jets and all the other teams around the league so you can make informed fantasy decisions with my buddy Ed Valley, the CEO of Empire Weather. And we're going to get you some gambling tips from a line expert. My brother Craig, who you just heard from, so stick with us. We are going to be loaded with outstanding content seven days a week all throughout the season, and you know there's only one place that you can find it. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.